Hey, well, good morning, everybody. This morning, I'm going to continue in our series on the invisible war. Okay, we've been talking about that war that's going on in us, around us, and against us. We've been spending a lot of time over the last few weeks because probably the hardest enemy we have is who? Ourselves. You know, we have an I problem in our culture today. It's not, we don't have a they problem or them problem or if this didn't happen or if I didn't have this. It's I'm making choices. I'm doing this. And the last two weeks, we spent time talking about that. How am I going to be set free from me? And, and if you want to go to that, because it would take me a whole morning to review everything we went over, go onto our website, go onto our app, check out the messages. They're both online um, to catch up with this. Because each week that we're going through this, the thing that we have to remember is we're building we're, play, we're laying building blocks. It isn't an individual message. It's this, this message, then builds on this message, then builds on this message. And so we're trying to learn how to create and defeat these enemies one step at a time. How many of y'all know none of you ended up where you're at today because of one choice? See, we all screwed up our lives over a lot of years. But we come to Jesus and say, okay, fix everything today for me so it's all better Tomorrow morning when I wake up, God, make my life wonderful. But it took us years to get there. It took me years to get to this physique. Thank you. Round is a shape, so I don't want to hear it. Um, Now, I also then, I can remember 25 years ago, guess what? I was bodybuilding. This wasn't the physique I had 25 years ago. If I wanted to change, it took me this long to get to here. Do I think I can start the gym tomorrow and I'm going to get back to that? It's going to take time. It's going to take work. It's going to take surrender. It's going to take sacrifice. And that's what we've been talking about. If we want to win the invisible war, winning winning the battles within us, we have to realize it's hundreds of choices over time that makes the change. Now, we can make one definitive choice, and that can change the trajectory. But then we have to make another choice on top of that. And so today what we're going to be talking about is making the hard changes in me. See, because there again, we come back to the fact we need to understand that it's not just about knowing more. It's about doing more. See, it's not about just saying, okay, I went to church. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know that Jesus saves me. I know that Jesus can heal people. I know that Jesus... See, we know all these things, but what are you doing with them? Are you just hanging them onto them for you? Because if you know Jesus heals people, are you praying for people's healing? Now, it's still up to God to who gets healed and who doesn't. I'm not going to say why it works, how it works. God is sovereign. It's His. But I can tell you this, the more people I've prayed for for healing, the more people have gotten healed. God will never answer a prayer that's never been asked. He can't. Or he won't because he's waiting for us. See, too often we're saying, God, change me. And God's saying, I'm waiting for you to want to change. See, we want God to fix all the brokenness, but we don't want to give him all the pieces. We hang on to things. See, we try to live a perfect life that others can see. But behind closed doors, are you that person? Now, I've said it multiple times this week to my family. I am the same jerk at home as I am here Sunday morning. I've never figured out how to fake myself. 
This is just who I am. Hopefully God's still working on me and changing me. And the few people who've known me for a lot of years from when I got saved can say I have changed a little. Okay? And so what we need to understand is that when we're afraid to make any mistakes, we'll never take any risk. There is no reward without the risk. You want to see lives changed? You got to go talk to somebody. See, you don't want to accept the responsibility that Jesus has placed on your, on your shoulders, which is just to follow him. See, we think it's a responsibility of going to be a missionary or going around the world. No, your job, if you get nothing else today, your job, follow Jesus. That's it. Not how I think you should, not how your spouse thinks you should, not how your parents think you should. Now, all those people can be wise counsel, but they can't follow Jesus for you. So we have to follow Jesus. We have to accept that responsibilities. We got to stop putting unrealistic expectations on ourselves. Because what you all need to understand is you're all broken. We're all broken. We all have defects. And as we've said here for years now, God is the one putting us back together. But here's the thing. You have to be willing to admit it. When you're not willing to admit you're broken, you can't get fixed. When you're not willing to admit you got problems, they can't be healed. Now here's the truth of Scripture. Romans 3.23 says what? All have sinned. That means none of us are perfect. None of us ever will be this side of heaven. And he goes all to say, goes on to say, after understand we've all sinned, you've all fallen short of God's glory. There ain't a one of us today that could step in front of God without Jesus Christ. And see, we need to come to that realization because I guarantee that would stop a lot of arguments. Because what are most arguments about? Being right. Mark Batterson made a statement that I've been trying to implement more and more into my life lately. Where he's, his question that he asked, or maybe he just asked me, and it might not even be in his book, it's just something that was in my book. You guys don't go to read it. Um, would you rather be right or righteous? <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? See, the problem is, is we always want to be right. And I told somebody this week, and actually Sean and I talked about this week, there are people that I'd rather see them in heaven than argue about the fact I'm right about something. And are we willing to do that? Am I willing to be humble enough to realize that I ain't got to be right? I'd rather see them spend an eternity with Jesus. And so I'm going to do what I can to help them with that journey. See, what we need to remember this morning, that as long as we're living on this planet, you are never going to be sinless. You can, though, sin less as we draw closer to Jesus. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to take a look at a couple of different things this morning and, and, and go into, we're going to end up going into Ephesians 4 this morning. The first question we have to ask our stuff, ourselves is, why is it so hard to change the stuff in me that I don't really like? How many of you all struggle changing things that you're not really proud of or you don't want anybody to know about? Okay, for the rest of you, lying. Okay, we'll pray. <laughs> so, the, 
And, and the other thing is, why is it so hard? And the second question we're going to look at today in Ephesians 4 is, what does it take to change? The Bible gives us a remedy. The Bible gives us the antidote to change. But we need to understand it. We need to come to the realization first of why is it so hard to change? And the first thing we look at is, is why is it so hard to change? Is because I've had them for so long. See, a lot of our bad habits, a lot of those things we don't like about ourselves, a lot of the attitudes we have, a lot of those things we're comfortable with because they're familiar. And so we've had them for so long. See, we didn't get, we didn't get those attitudes overnight. You'll see some people who will act a certain way when they're adult because it's the way they had to act when they were children to protect themselves. I can, I can go with that. Again, my shape was like this growing up. So I created an attitude of anger and an attitude of, guess what? I will beat you senseless just because. And so that's the attitude I grew up with, and it carried on to my adult life. But it all stemmed from the fact it was something I became comfortable doing when I was younger. How many of y'all know your kids will program you? Yell at your kids sometime. Come to, just say, t- say to your kids, hey, it's time for dinner. Do they come that first call? No. You say, hey, I told you dinner's ready. Your voice is up a little bit more. All of a sudden, it's like, get your butt down here for dinner. And what, what happens? They come running. They programmed you to yell. You're going to get a response. See how the enemy does that to us? He uses things we're comfortable with to program us to do things we shouldn't do. Now, my daughter who trains dogs and y'all who have kids, guess what? In both cases, negative or positive, they are going to give you when they, what they get attention for. If you only talk to your children when they do something wrong, guess what they are going to spend a majority of their time doing? Something wrong. They want your attention. See, we need to remember that. We've become comfortable with things. And we need to break those cycles. The second thing and the reason why it's so hard to change is a lot of times we identify with those problems. You know, if I stop acting this way, who am I? If I don't do this, what am I going to do? And so the enemy starts convincing us that you're connected to that defect. You're connected to that problem. And if you sever yourself from that problem, what's going to happen? Well, I've, how about this one? I'm just always late. Guess what's going to happen? You're always running late because you've identified with that. See, what you identify with is what you become. You want to be a better father? Identify as a better father by getting into Scripture, getting around other fathers that are good. Well, I didn't have good parents. Guess what you've already convinced yourself of? I'm not going to be a good parent, which is a lie straight from the depths of hell. I tell my wife all the time, you know, if, if our history decided where we're at in the future, I would still be an alcoholic, abusive father. 
But eventually I had to grow up and take responsibility for my choices. I got to stop blaming things, blaming people, blaming my parents, blaming culture, blaming schools, blaming the government, blaming it. Because today we're in a blame game about everything. And nobody takes personal responsibility for the choices they make anymore. Why? Because the minute we do, we start, taking, we start getting attacked by ourselves of, how do, I get, how do I get out of this? I don't know what to do. See, if I go on a plane ride and I said, guess what? Every time I get on a plane, I get nervous. I'm going to get nervous every time I get on a plane. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be nervous getting on a plane because you're getting on a big metal tube that's going through the air at a high rate of speed. And I just, yeah, it's like those guys that jump out of airplanes. I, don't, I just don't get it. Why would you want to jump out of a perfectly good vehicle that's moving through the air? And see, there's people like that. Why not? <laughs> but... <laughs> See, all of a sudden we start identifying and, we're kind of, and, and we get messed up because you identify yourself with the way you're acting. You're, you've forgotten who you truly are. You are a son. You are a daughter of the King of Kings. And when your identity gets wrapped up in the right thing, it's important. The other thing is a lot of times because your defects have a payoff. And the problem with that is whatever gets rewarded gets repeated. Kind of like that example I gave you with yelling at your kids. You got a reward when you yell at your kids to come down to dinner. And so you're going to repeat that because that's what you know will get the reward. See, a lot of times the rewards we get compensate for the guilt we feel. You know, we never planned on getting to this part. We never planned on, on getting this far down. We never planned on this happening. We never planned on, you know, doing this. And all of a sudden, those little rewards that we got the whole way down are now trying to help us forget the guilt and shame we have for making the choices we knew we shouldn't have made. And it's hard to change stuff at that point because we don't like ourselves anymore. And we don't know who we are. And so we just continue to do what we do. And that leads to the fourth reason it's so hard is because Satan is going to discourage you from changing. He wants you to stay stuck right where you're at. He wants you to think you've got a flat tire in your life that you can't move on from. He will tell you things. He will give you negative thoughts. He'll start telling you and he'll start saying, who do you think you are? You can't change, the, you can't change your job. You can't do anything about your spouse. You can't change your kids. You can't do... But see, all these things, he's trying to tell you you can't change. Because guess what? If you want to you wanna teach your kids about a good marriage, show them a good marriage. Which means start praying for your spouse more. Let them see you pray with your spouse. See, we, we need to understand that Satan's job is to what? Lie, cheat, kill, steal, and destroy. He's been doing it forever and he's better at it than you are catching it. Because his greatest trick that he always throws at you is he wants to get you to question God's faithfulness. Y'all remember what he said to Eve? Did God really say that? And we will use that as an excuse to do something we know we shouldn't do. Did God really say you can't do that? 
Well, Paul said, yeah, you can do all things, but not all things are profitable. He goes, since grace abounds in sin, does that mean we should go on sinning? And his next line is, what are you, an idiot? No, I didn't say that. So we need to stop believing the lies of the enemy and we need to start saying, guess what? I can change. It may not have worked before, but it can work this time. You know when somebody fails? When they quit trying. Not when you make a mistake, not when it doesn't work. That is not failure. Failure is stopping even trying. Failure is curling up in a ball at home saying, I don't know why I even try. Life's not going to get any better. I can't beat it. And so I'm not even going to try anymore. I'm just going to coast through life. I want to be a C student. I'd have been happy being a C student. But I, <laughs> I want to be a C student. And I just want to be average because that's where the enemy doesn't have to mess with you. When you start changing, when you start taking it to another level, when you start growing, when you start pushing into Christ, guess what? That's when the enemy's going to attack you because you've become dangerous. How many of all this morning want to be dangerous for Jesus? Then we need to stop pussyfooting around with this stuff. Sorry, I don't know if I was supposed to say that. But I'm... <sighs> I can't. I was wearing my bracelet yesterday calling all in. That was our men's advance thing that we went into this year. Is we got to stop playing Christianity. We got to stop playing religion. We got to realize that we have a man who went to a cross for me to die. How many of y'all know that? How many of y'all believe it maybe? You know it, but you don't believe it. You don't understand. That dude took crown of thorns, shoved into his head, blood running down his face, beard being ripped out. Why? Because he loved you. And I'm going to say but what if they don't like me? They didn't like him. And Jesus says, guess what? They're not going to like you because of me. we got to get sold out for Jesus. Because that's what's going to change history. The only person in history who's ever changed hearts. I don't care if it's addiction. I don't care if it's adultery. I don't care if it's drugs. I don't care if it's guilt. I don't care if it's shame. I don't care if it's you don't know what to do. There is one person in all of history, one thing in all of history, and it is not a self-help book. It is not a program. It is not a pill. It is nothing else. One name has changed history, and his name is Jesus. And that's what we're sold out for. But guess what? I'm still busted. I'm still broken. But Jesus is fixing me. And that's where we got to get to. So what are those things that keep us from wanting to change? What are those things that are going to stop us? See, if you rock the boat, something's going to happen. Just going to let you know. But does that mean that Jesus ain't rocking with you? See, when you try to change, you have an enemy who's going to stop you. He's going to do what he can to stop you. He's going to remind you of your path. He's going to make you feel worry. He's going to make you feel anxiety. He's going to make you feel shame. He's going to make you feel guilt because that's what he does because he knows if you change, you are now going to depopulate hell and populate heaven. And see, that's, what, that's what, why we do church. We want to pull people from hell and show them heaven. And heaven is found in one name, and that's Jesus. So what does it take to change those deep patterns in your life? Those things you really don't like about you. There are six things in Ephesians 4, 21 through 27. 
that Scripture tells us we can use to change. And if you go into Ephesians 4.21, it says, Since you have heard all about Jesus, and you have learned the truth that is in Him, throw off your old evil nature, your formal way of life, which is rotten through and through. It's full of lust and deception. Instead, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and your attitudes. You must put on a new nature because you are a new person in God's likeness, righteous and holy and true. So put away any falsehood. That And I, and I got this in parentheses. That means stop faking it, stop posing, and stop pretending you got it all together. And tell your neighbor the truth because we belong to each other. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. So dear Heavenly Father, as we look at these six keys that you've given us to, to help us change, God, make them come alive to us this morning as we break them down. Make them come new to us this morning so we can see it in a new light and we can move in a new direction with our life. God, because what you have done is greater than anything we can do. And so we are just sitting in your presence this morning wanting to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the first requirement for personal change is change requires learning the truth. Ephesians 4.21 says it this way, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. Jesus tells his disciples, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. John 14.6 says what? Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So as I was talking this week, I said, guess what? If my truth doesn't line up with Jesus, I'm wrong. I need a change. But see, that, that's how Jesus deals with me. He's going to deal with you a different way. So line your truths up with what Jesus says and who he is. The secret to personal change this morning, as I said earlier, it's not a pill. It's not a program. It's a process of getting to know Jesus. And your life is the process. Every day we take a step. Every day we change a little bit. See, we lie to ourselves all the time about how we're not good enough or how we'll never do this or how we'll never have this or we'll start comparing ourselves to other people. Because we too often tell ourselves that the very defects that we don't like about ourselves aren't really a problem. We tell ourselves that it's not that big a deal. See, we need to stop pretending it's not a problem. We need to take responsibility for it. You got to deal with the truth. And I, and I know that when I face the truth, it's going to help me change. Because without it, I may try to change for a little while, but I will fall back into those defects because it's what I'm comfortable with and it's what's easiest. Jesus said the truth will set you free. But here's the thing with the truth. It's going to make you miserable at first. 
because you have to come face to face with your problems and then own them and then accept forgiveness for them and move on from them. You can trust God's word. Jesus said, I'm the truth and we're going to follow him into his truth. The second thing change requires is making choices. See, it says, Ephesians 4.22, throw off your old sinful nature and the former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception. See, so when we go through and understand that now I have to change and make choices, I can't make the same choices I've always made because those choices cause me to be in the predicament I'm in. So I need to change my choices, and obviously they have to be good choices. See, it's not enough to just want to change. It's not enough for me to just want to get in better shape. Guess what I have to do? <laughs> I have to do it. I have to eat better, which I like pizza. Okay, McDonald's, not a big draw for me, but pizza, you know, I like, I'm liking the pizza. So I have to eat less pizza. And the cheesy bread, it's not bad either. Um, <laughs> exactly. See, see, you guys get it. Um, I'm not alone in this. But I have to go to a gym. I have to exercise, right? So guess what I did this week? I got a partner that says, guess what? We're going to start going to the gym. Why? Because when you get somebody that you're accountable to, it'll help that change come into effect because you have somebody else who will push you. That's actually my fifth point, is you have to get into an honest community. But when we think about it, the choices I make are kind of determining the direction I'm headed. See, some of you this morning are stuck in the middle right now of something because you haven't learned how to let go of it. Some of y'all just need, I, I was counseling this one dude this one time who was struggling with some stuff. And again, he was, he was a, a guard in a, in, a, in a prison. And I'm like, dude, you know what a shiv is, right? He's like, yeah. I'm like, I want you to go home and make a shiv. I want you to mount that shiv up on your mirror so every morning when you're starting to get ready for work, you can see this thing sitting there. And he had the same look on his face as you guys do, like, where is this guy taking us? I said, here's what I want you to do. Every time the enemy reminds you of your past, every time the enemy reminds you of a form of mistake, you're going to take that shiv, you're going to turn around, and you're going to start cutting that rope and say, not today. You're going to learn to set yourself free by the power of the word using an object that makes no sense, really, but to him it made sense, saying, okay, I get it, I can cut free from my past. Yeah, yeah, you can. That's what Jesus did. And every time the enemy comes in and tells you you can't, you say, not today, Satan. Because yes, I can. Because I belong to Jesus now. And so when we understand that, we start making different choices. And it's, see, the, the changing of your life, Philippians 2 says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you and to will and to act according to his good purpose. See, this verse explains everything to us. It's not about your willpower, it's about his power. See, I have to make the choices to change. I have to become intentional about wanting to change. I can't just expect it to change. But then at that point, it's not about my willpower. It's about his power in me that's doing his work in me to change me and change my heart to do what he calls me to do. Third thing that change requires is new thinking. Ephesians 4.23 says, Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. We talked about this over the last couple weeks with being set free for me. Some of y'all, all you need to do is get rid of your stinking thinking. You got to start saying what Jesus says. 
Jesus says, guess what? You'll have more, you're, you're overwhelmingly victors because of Christ. Another version says you're more than a conqueror. He says the truth will set you free. Jesus says, you'll be my disciples if you love. He says, go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy. Jesus gave us all kinds of commands to change our thinking, but guess what? We're never going to change our thinking on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to come in to create the fruit of the Spirit in us so we can start thinking how He thinks. Because guess what? It says the same mind that's in Christ is in you. How many of y'all think Jesus thought the thoughts you thought this morning? I'm just taking it to this morning. I'm not going to yesterday yet. See, we got to remember that Jesus said, guess what? I've, come, I've, I've sent the Holy Spirit to live in you to change you. And He will change the way you think. See, the battle for sin in your life and the battle for the defects in your life are going to go on and on. It's a mental battle. It starts in the mind. It's won and lost in your mind. And that's why Romans 12 talks about transform your mind. Transform it by the renewing of your mind, which is found in Christ. And then you'll figure out what God's will is. If you want to change the way you act, you've got to change the way you feel. How many of y'all know one of my favorite sayings right now? The facts don't care about your feelings. Feelings come and go. So guess what? I, I was having a rough morning this morning. I'm just going to be honest with you guys for a second. I was having a rough this morning this morning. Things just weren't working. So I threw my phone down, and I walked out back. Christy laughs because she drove up when I walked out back. <laughs> She's like, well, what are you doing? I'm having a reset. She's like, huh? I'm like, things aren't working. I just need a reset. I need to refocus my mind. I need to get back. Because my feelings were telling me to get angry. My feelings were telling me this ain't going to work. My feelings were telling me it's not worth it. My feelings were telling me to yell at somebody. And I knew if I stayed where I was, guess what? I'd have yelled at somebody. So I'm like, no, I'm going to go outside. There was nobody out there, so I could have screamed if I wanted to, because there ain't nobody out Sunday mornings. But I didn't. I just said, okay, God, help, just help me get this back. And, and so I just, it took a few minutes. And see, it doesn't take a long time. But if you want those changes to happen, if you want to change the way you feel, if you want to change those things that are going on, you got to get plugged into the one who changes them, and his name is Jesus. you got to get plugged in by the Holy Spirit, who is your power supply. And we stay plugged in. See, we need, we need to remember that the fourth thing says change requires the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit's going to work in your heart gradually. He's going to change things gradually. As the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like Him, is what His Word says. And so as we surrender to the Holy Spirit, the gradual process of sanctification starts. And it's a step-by-step progression. It's incremental. It's not instantaneous. Like I said earlier, too much, we live too much in a in a microwave society, we, we, we want everything done now. We want our lives to be perfect now. We want things to change now. We want all of my poor mistakes to be changed now. I said, it's probably going to take me a while to go to the gym to get in shape. And guess what? After about a week, I'm going to get frustrated because I'm not seeing a lot of changes. And that's where the true choices come in. It's kind of like I tell people when I go and do funerals for families. It's not right now the family needs you. It's in six months, nine months, a year the family needs you around. 
because right now you're in the middle of it. But in a year, when you have that first Christmas, when you have that first birthday, you have that first anniversary, that's where people need us. And that's the changes we all have to go through. Because guess what? When you gave your heart to Christ, there are new firsts. You have a new Christmas when you know the reason we celebrate it. And see, those firsts are, can be traumatic because your whole memory of what those things are was horrible. But we need to understand that it says the Spirit put on our new nature and we're created to be like God. The Holy Spirit works within us so we can be, gradually become more and more like Him and to develop those habits to change. The fifth thing is change requires honest community. It says, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all part of the same body. It's why coming up this fall, we are going to start doing life groups again, while we're going to start do barbecues again. Why? Because we all need each other. We all got to get back into community. We all got to lean on each other. Notice I did not say tell everyone. I said you got to pick certain people to tell things to. You don't blab your stuff to everyone because everybody doesn't need to know. You find that one brother, if it's a guy, please make it a guy. If it's a girl, please make it a girl and just become dead honest with them. I, there are a few of you here that I've sat down and we've had honest conversations. And guess what? We're still friends. It can happen. See, y'all worried about how are they going to look at you. But if they're following Christ, they are there to pick you up. They are not there to tear you apart. We are called to edify encourage and build up. See, there, there are going to be some things in your life you're never going to be able to change on your own. Typically, the things that are most difficult in your life you don't want anybody else to know about. But Galatians 6.2 says, share each other's burdens. And in this way, you're obeying the law of Christ. See, when, and it's, it also says, in other words, if, if you, someone is sick among you, bring them to the men of the church and have them pray over because the prayer of a righteous man can... You know, y'all y'all know that verse. Y'all know it, but how often are you living it out to saying, guess what, I've got to tell somebody my sin. I, I need to tell somebody what's going on. I've got to quit hiding it. Because if I... Um, let's just think of something that's not going to completely freak y'all out. Um, I break my arm. Okay. And I just walk around like this, and you say, what's wrong? I'm like, nothing. I wrap it up in a big thing, you know, and wrap both arms so you don't know. I'm trying to hide my injury. How is it ever going to heal? It doesn't. Neither do your sins. As long as you keep trying to hide them, they can't heal. We need to bring them to Jesus. We need to bring them to a brother or sister. We need to bring them to a life group. We need to bring them somewhere that they can help you through it. And the sixth thing that it says in 44, 26 through 27, and don't, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger does what? It gives a foothold to the devil. How many of y'all want to give a foothold to the devil? How many of y'all want me to crack that door open to let a guy out here with a gun in. Why do you do it with your life? Anger, shame, guilt, worry, anxiety, all of those things give a foothold 
to the devil to mess with you. Why would you do it? Why would you let the enemy on your own accord into your life? See, that's the skill most people struggle with right there. We think I'm only hurting myself. But what you did is you gave the enemy a a foothold. You gave him a stronghold in your life. And so if you don't want to give the enemy a stronghold, you don't want to let him into your life, in this verse it says, don't let anger control you. It doesn't say don't get angry. If, if it said don't get angry, I would worry about the temple where Jesus turned over tables. But we know Jesus didn't sin. He still turned over tables. But it says, don't sin by letting anger control you. See, anger is an emotion we're all going to feel. But are you going to righteously own it? Are you angry for the right reasons? Or are you angry for selfish reasons? Do you struggle with fear? Do you struggle with worry? Do you struggle with a negative emotion? Do you struggle with an old hurt you can't let go of? Do you struggle with resentment, with bitterness, or with a grudge, with loneliness, with shame, with anything that's contrary to what the truth is in Jesus? If you do, you're giving the enemy a foothold into your life that you have got to break. And this morning you have an opportunity to break it by bringing it to Jesus and saying, God, I don't want to deal with this anymore. And then understand However old you are, that's how long it took you to get here. It's not going to change today. It could. Now, I've seen Jesus heal things like that. But it may also be a gradual process that you're going to need to put the work in, and that's why you need people around you that can help you walk through it. So as we wrap up this morning, that's what I want you to do is take a few moments this morning and understand we all need repentance. Repentance is a dirty word in our culture today. Because it means I have to own up to what I did and apologize for it and turn towards God and ask for His forgiveness.